Well, welcome again this morning to all of you here, families here, kids here, as well as those who are attending online. Welcome to this worship service. Well, we walk by faith, not by sight. Nonetheless, our faith, our hope, should be visible. Our hope should be visible. But how? How is hope visible? Well, maybe you've been following this uh, news story that two weeks ago, 17 Christian aid workers, including five children, were taken hostage uh, by a gang, a street gang, uh, just outside of Port-au-Prince, and they're demanding $17 million to release uh, these Christian aid workers. And uh, just this past Thursday, the mission organization, Christian Aid Ministries, issued this statement. As we approach the two-week mark, we continue to pray that God would protect the hostages and give them grace to respond with Christ-like love in the face of evil. We pray for the kidnappers, that God would soften their hearts and draw them to himself. So do you want to know how hope becomes visible? It's when in the face of evil we respond with grace out of concern for the salvation of other people. It's when grace governs our choices. That's when hope becomes visible. Well, where did they get that? Where did they get that idea? Well, one place they could have gotten it is from our text for today. So I invite you to turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, and if you don't have a Bible or a device, you'll notice in front of you a rack Bibles, and you can take one of those Bibles and turn to page 982. Page 982, you will find 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 8. It's titled in these Bibles, Suffering for Doing Good. Peter writes, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil." Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear, there are threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Well, Peter's not writing to hostages, but he is writing to believers who um, are being mistreated. People are saying things about them that just aren't true, and they are being treated unfairly, and they are being 
pushed to the margins of society because they've chosen to put their faith in Jesus Christ. They are worshiping Jesus instead of worshiping the pagan gods and going along with the Roman way of life. And so they are suffering. And Peter reminds them in the middle of this suffering that they should be not just focused on the suffering, but focused on how to be a witness. They, they are living stones. Remember our illustration here. Uh, bonded together in the love of Christ, rooted in Jesus himself. And, and they are to rise up as a temple bringing glory to God, to be a witness to him in the world. And not just in spite of the suffering, but through the suffering and mistreatment and injustice. And we, we've read this verse over and over again from 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Live such good lives among the pagans. Those are people who are not following Jesus Christ. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us, which I think is just a way of saying, let your good deeds draw them to faith in Jesus so that they may glorify God with joy when he comes. Well, what are those good deeds? That's what we've been looking at over the past three Sundays. Respecting and obeying government officials. Living like Christ in the workplace and at school. Whether that's Jefferson Elementary School or Warsaw High School, or Lakeland Christian Academy, or Grace College, wherever God's placed you to live a life that reflects Christ. And living out the grace of God in marriage. We talked about that last week. And now Peter says, finally. A congregation's favorite word, right? Finally. Now he's going to wrap it all up. And finally, the fourth area where um, he's, he says, you're called uh, to demonstrate the grace of God even when it creates suffering. And he's going to say, this is something for all of us. You know, there's kind of talking to husbands and wives last week. That was pretty particular. And, and talking to maybe slaves in the earlier section. That, but now this is for all of you. So let's, let's look at this. Um, what is Peter saying? He's saying simply, be kind to others. Be kind to others. Look at verse 8 there. Finally, all of you. So who's all of you? Well, he's talking to the believers. But the kindness that they are to show to everyone, the good that they're to show to everyone, needs to begin among them as the church body, as the community of believers. Finally, all of you be like-minded. Literally, be of the same mind. Be of the same mind. In other words, pursue harmony and unity. Well, how on earth do we do that in our divided, polarized world? Well, how we do that is by focusing on Jesus Christ. He's the one in whom we find unity and harmony. Be like-minded. Be sympathetic. What, what does it mean to be sympathetic? It means to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Don't just think about yourself. Think about others. He continues. Love one another. That, that's that Greek word we all know, Philadelphia, right? That's, uh, that's brotherly love. And it, it often is used for families. But Peter views the church as a family. Love each other as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a family kind of a word. It's not just a feeling, though. It's a choosing to do what's best for the other person. Then he says, be compassionate. And that is kind of coming from the gut, you know, uh, uh, feeling for the hurts and the needs of other people. Again, it's outward focus towards the needs of others where we actually feel it. We have compassion on people. And finally, be humble. 
which means put others ahead of yourselves. Put, put others ahead of yourselves. Think of others and their needs. If you see the focus here, I said the word other a lot. So, so how, how are we to live or to think about the other, to be kind to others? We love it when people are kind to us. But as we'll see, they often aren't. But, but even in that case, be kind. Be kind to others. As a family of believers, we are to live that out and as practice, really, uh, for, for what God's called us to do in the world. Now, this kindness has a lot to do with our mouth, our words, our speech. Look at verses 10 and 11. Now, Peter's quoting from Psalm 34, and he writes, For whoever would love life and see good days. Who wants to love life and see good days? All of us, okay? It's all of us, all right? We're all in on that. Well, good. I want to I love life and see good days. What must we do? Keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil, evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Now, most of our unkindness in this world comes from our words, you know. Uh, when I was in grade school, you only had two options for communication, right? Um, you had to write a letter, pen on paper, and you did have a thing called a telephone even back then. I suppose we could still have done, um, what's that called? Telegraph, but at any rate. <laughs> nowadays, nowadays, I mean, it's crazy nowadays. We've gone from the industrial age to the communication age, so we have... We have phones, and we have voicemail, and we have texts, and we have emails, and we have tweets, and we have uh, chats, and we have comments, and I can't even keep track of all the ways there are to communicate, which means there are innumerable platforms for unkindness. And so we've talked a lot about this, of the importance as believers, if we're going to be kind to others, then Peter says here, we have to watch our words. Our words are important, and we have to control them. So this week, I was tested on this this week. Uh, an authority in our town sent me a letter to me, not just to everybody, but to me, uh, asking that I would comply with a certain ordinance. Uh, and it's very minor. Don't let your minds run wild, okay? <laughs> uh, but at any rate... Uh, I got the letter, and I was rankled, okay? I was like, Argh! And so I right away typed a snarky letter back, you know, with a lot of kind of uh, sarcasm, you know? But I didn't send it, because a long time ago I learned a lesson that defensiveness almost never accomplishes your goal. And that if you'll just sit on it, it may look different the next day. That... Just those ideas have helped me out so much and saved me such pain in life. And so I didn't send the letter. So I came back to the letter the next day, and I had cooled off, and I recognized the logic and the reasonableness of this request. And so I answered very kindly with even genuine humor. And I said this, since I recently preached a sermon on submitting to all human authority... I will happily comply with your request, all right? And, and this person wrote back a, a very sweet and appreciative note. Good relationship, okay? Opportunity. That, that's, what Peter, that's what Peter's talking about here. And, um, you know, we, we just have to remember that grace needs to govern our choices, especially of how we communicate. 
when we use all those channels of communication, we need to ask ourselves some questions. Uh, and instead of being defensive, we need to say, how does this promote the witness of Jesus Christ in the world? Does this communication make my hope in Jesus visible? Right? We're talking about visible hope. Does this make my hope in Jesus visible? Is this response gracious? Is it governed by grace? Our hope must be visible, and I think it becomes visible when our responses are governed by grace. And that's kind of the upside-down kingdom we're talking about, and the kids on, on your notes there, the upside-down kingdom. In, in, in our world, we like to respond in kind. That's the normal way of living in this world, but we're called to an upside-down kingdom to act differently than this world, to follow Jesus, and part of that is uh, our words and how we speak. And we're to be kind not just when others are kind to us, but we're also to be kind even when people aren't nice to us. Be kind to others even when they aren't nice to you. Now, you're going to say you're using very simple language and simple concepts. Yeah, simple but hard to put into practice, okay? We need to be reminded of this. So look what we read in chapter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, gulp. Repay evil with blessing. Repay evil with blessing. Don't retaliate. Don't get even. Don't settle the score. Instead, respond with kindness. And this is not math that we like. This doesn't feel good. However, it's just another way of talking about two words that are absolutely central to the Christian experience, to our faith. And they are the words mercy and grace. Because mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. Not, in other words, not repaying evil with evil. If, something, if someone says something bad about you or something, someone takes something from you, or, or then you just want to say something bad back or you want to take something of theirs back, that's not mercy. Mercy is not giving people what they deserve, not repaying evil with evil. Grace is giving people what they don't deserve. That's repaying evil with good. That's grace. That's a great definition of grace, repaying evil with good. Someone does something nasty, mean, insulting, unjust uh, towards us, that instead of responding in kind and retaliating, Settling the score, making it even, instead we respond with goodness. That is really hard to do. Now, we love that God has treated us that way. We love it. We couldn't live without it. I love God's grace and mercy. But we struggle when we have to show mercy and grace, don't we? Unfairness and injustice. Oh, we really, really chafe under unfairness, don't we? That's unfair. And you know, there's, uh, there's part of the truth that we're made in the image of God behind that. God is just. But God has treated us not as we deserved. Instead, he repaid our evil with good, with forgiveness and reconciliation and hope. And therefore, we are to treat others that way. They're hard lessons, though. I'll re I remember one Christmas when my, well, my sister Cammie and her husband Larry were here with their kids and... They had been here all semester, 
and the kids were going to Jefferson Elementary School, and Caleb, their son, he must have been in maybe third or fourth grade at that time, and he became kind of buddies with this other student at elementary school, and they, as Christmas approached, they, they both really loved X-Men. X-Men, that was the thing back then, evidently. I don't know exactly what year it was. It was a while ago. And so they, they made this pact between them that they were going to buy each other an X-Man figure and, and give it. They were going to exchange it. So the last day of school came, and they exchanged the presents, all wrapped up presents, and Caleb, my nephew, brought it home so happy and excited, and he put it under the tree and couldn't wait for Christmas. And Christmas came, and we were all gathered together, and it was time to open the presents, and Caleb went straight for that present. That was the most important present to him, the present from his buddy at school, the X-Man figure. He tore open the present, and by the way, he, Caleb, had saved up his allowance, and he had gone out on a special trip, and he had searched and chosen and bought an X-Man figure for his friend. And he couldn't wait to see what X-Man figure his friend had bought for him. He tore open the present, and it was empty. Nothing. His friend had betrayed him. Now, you can imagine that there were tears. I get tears right now thinking about it. <laughs> and you know what's going through my mind? Give me the name of that kid. <laughs> I want the name of that kid. That kid is going to get something. You know, that's our natural tendency, right? But my sister and brother-in-law, they're like working with him. They're saying, you know what? This is really like what Christmas is really about. We, we were enemies of God. We gave him nothing. And in spite of that, he gave us his whole self in Jesus. Yeah, that's true. And, 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 and worked with him on the idea that God has shown us so much grace in Jesus Christ that we should respond to others with forgiveness. And, and wow, for all of us, it was quite a heavy spiritual uh, learning time on Christmas that morning. But you, here's what I want to say. You say, well, that's a minor thing. What you, this is talking about people doing evil to you and responding. But this is the same family that a couple years later lost everything they owned to a coup in Africa. And what did they do? Well, I, I, that's it for me. I'm out of here. No, they went right back and served the same people. Because if we're faithful in small things where we feel injustice and unfairness and we respond with grace and mercy and love, we'll be able, when we're really persecuted, to respond with grace and mercy and love. We are to be kind to others even when they aren't kind to us. Why? Why? Okay, we need to answer the question, why? Because it rubs us the wrong way, doesn't it? Oh, when things are unfair, I just want to set it straight. Come on. Why? There better be good answers for this because being kind to people when they aren't nice to us is really hard. So what on earth could motivate us to act that way, to show grace? Well, here are a few answers to that. First of all, being kind when others aren't nice to you is what God asks us to do. He asks us to do this. <clears throat> Look at verse 9 again. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because, here it is, to this you were called. God has called us to this. It's part of our purpose. It's a part of our mission. It's a part of our task as Christ followers. And we, we follow him also through this situation of enduring 
misunderstanding and mistreatment and injustice so that we can demonstrate the grace and mercy of God to the world. And it's a consistent teaching of scripture. Who can forget the Sermon on the Mount? You know, Jesus, Jesus really rattles us with this. He says, you, you've heard it say, said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, all right? You hit me, I hit you back. You take something from me, I take something uh, back from you. You know, you call me a name, I call you a name. You know, it's just, it's even. That's the way, we, that's the math that we're used to and that we like, but then Jesus turns it all on his head. Uh, you know, he says, hey, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn your left to them. If someone wants to sue you uh, to take your shirt, give them your shirt and your coat. Back then, uh, soldiers could Roman soldiers could require you to carry their armor for a mile. And Jesus says, hey, if someone asks you to go a mile with them, go two miles. In other words, if someone does something bad to you, don't do bad back, be twice as nice. And that's right at the heart and the essence of what it means to be a believer. It's not hard to understand, it's just really hard to do. But, but that is how our hope becomes visible. That is how hope becomes visible. <laughs> Listen to what Paul wrote, okay? Paul writes this in Romans 12. Romans is a book about God's grace, okay? There's a new way to be made right with God. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. It's all a work of God's grace. It's about God's grace. And now Paul's gonna apply it, and this is how he applies it in chapter 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give them something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Very similar passage to 1 Peter 3. Again, and maybe Peter got some of his uh, material from Jesus and Paul. It's all good because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And you say, wow, I've got to love my enemies. Yes, but let's just start with this. Let's, how about if we just start with loving our neighbor? You know, if we can get good at that, we can maybe even love our enemy. Because that is the great command. The great command is that we're to love God with our whole heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love our neighbor as ourself. So maybe before we even think about loving our enemy, we should just start with learning to love our neighbor. Because that's the great command. And maybe when God says, love your neighbor as yourself, he means your literal physical neighbor. Start next door. And I think he's, he, he doesn't say uh, love your neighbor so that they'll become a Christian. That's great and awesome and wonderful and we want that to happen. He just says love your neighbor as yourself. We're to love our neighbor, not just to convert them, but we love our neighbor because we're converted. And because the love and grace and goodness of God is coming into our lives and therefore we can show that to our neighbor even if our neighbor's a little bit of a stinker. Let's start with loving our neighbor. Hey, who's our neighbor? Right here, this church body, this, this church. Who's our neighbor? We think about loving our neighbor. Jefferson Elementary School's our neighbor. Grace College and Seminary, that's our neighbor. How can we love and serve them? Uh, Fairlane Mobile Home Park is our neighbor. How can we show God's grace and love and mercy there? Um, what about, your, what about your neighbors, kids, parents? Think, think about your neighbors. I see, I see my neighbor. <laughs> He's okay. <laughs> um, I, I got more. I got other neighbors. Who's your neighbor? 
And how can we love our neighbor? Here, here's a couple things. Uh, about a year ago now, we started talking about this whole um, Bless Every Home website. And a lot of you signed up, and I, I encourage you, if that's kind of uh, fallen off, to pick it up again. And if you haven't signed up, to sign up to blesseveryhome.com. And what this does is, it, is it, it reminds you every day of a couple of your neighbors to pray for them. And it, and it begins with praying. And, and we, want to, we want to love our neighbors. And it begins with praying, begin with prayer. And then uh, we listen to our neighbors. We have conversation, we have relationship, and we eat together. And then we, we find ways to serve. And ultimately, we want to share our story. And as part of that sharing our story of what God and his grace and goodness has done in our lives. By the time we share that story, I hope that we've demonstrated the grace of God, the mercy of God, that even if our neighbors do evil to us, we respond with goodness, and that's just preparing the soil for the gospel. In just, a, a, let's see, it's just coming up in two weeks is We Care Warsaw. We talked about it already. That that's one way that we bless our neighbors. Why do we do We Care Warsaw? Maybe you're new to the church. But of course, in one of the parables that Jesus tells of the Good Samaritan, the question is, who's my neighbor? And the answer is, anyone whose need you can meet. Anyone whose need you can meet is your neighbor. So we wanna, we wanna love our neighbors, all right? And, and one way we do that is to bless those with needs. And we do that through We Care Warsaw. So I encourage you right out here is a place where you can sign up. You can go online and sign up to help. It's a, all hands on deck. We do this as a whole church. This is one way, by the way, we pursue harmony and unity is we work together for the glory of Jesus. I love it. When we all work together and do different aspects and parts of it, we don't all do the same thing. We all, we all contribute in different ways to it. But together in unity, we say we're going to love our neighbors, including those who have needs. So we care Warsaw. So why? Why be kind to others when they aren't nice to us? Well, first of all, it's what God has called us to do. Secondly, we do it because it's, um, it's what Jesus did. It's the pattern that he set for us. Back in uh, 1 Peter 2, we read in verse 21, to this you were called. What were we called to? Well, it's the, it's the whole section about bearing up under suffering and pressure and injustice to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We're called to imitate Christ in this. And then there's our, kind of our memory verse for this whole series here, 1 Peter 2.24. Okay, kids, let's see if you can do this out loud. Parents, uh, join along. We're all going to read this out loud together. This is our memory verse for this chosen series. Uh, read along out loud with me. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed now we love that but remember there's something patently unfair about that right we're healed by his wounds we love it but are we willing to he to help heal other people by taking wounds on ourselves and then we read in our chapter chapter 3 verse 18 we read this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. There you have it again. That's something patently unfair. The righteous one dies in the place of or for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Br bringing us to God was so important to Jesus that he was willing to suffer injustice. 
in order to satisfy the justice of God so that he can justly forgive you and me. But when, when grace governs our choices, it's because we wanna see people come to know God. We wanna bring people to God. And, and grace demonstrated in our responses, that's, that is a strong, powerful testimony, which is what uh, Peter talks about too. A third reason, so uh, we are to be kind to, to others even when they aren't nice to us because God's called us to do that. He's asked us to do it. Jesus has set the pattern. He did it. And um, thirdly, it creates curiosity. Curiosity makes people curious for the gospel. What is this grace that explains uh, you? Look, look what we read there, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness. Now, gentleness isn't weakness. It's not weakness. It's strength under control, and um, it's, it's, it's power-focused, okay? With gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So how do we create curiosity uh, for the gospel? It's, it's when grace governs our choices and people scratch their heads and wonder, how do you explain that? And that's what Peter's been talking about this whole time. You know, don't go along with the, um, the narratives in, in politics that are so adversarial and polarizing. Instead, uh, submit to governing authorities. Um, in, in your workplace and at school, um, follow the leadership and respect. You know, as long as they're not asking you to do anything that God says you can't do. Uh, and in your marriages, uh, demonstrate the grace of God. But, but now he says all of us, all of us are to demonstrate the grace of God. Now what does that look like? Okay, I'm going to give you a, a story here. And I'm not going to look good in it, but that's all right. I remember um, when one of my sons was in ninth grade basketball, freshman basketball at Warsaw High School. <laughs> And they had 14, four, they kept 14 boys on the freshman basketball team. And, okay, fine, it was Lucas. So Lucas, <laughs> Lucas, Lucas was about in the middle of that pack, okay? He was, as far as skill-wise in basketball, he was about in the middle of that pack, maybe seven or eight. Well, that meant that Lucas didn't get into a game very often, all right? You'd probably get into every game, but just for a minute or two. And... I was not handling that very well. And so this was me at basketball games. <laughs> I can't see it, but my, my jaws are clenched, all right? Because I'm not gonna say anything mean. I'm not, gonna, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna say what I'm thinking. I have enough self-control for that, but I'm not gonna be happy about it. <laughs> you know, you know, I drove all the way to Fort Wayne to see my son play 30 seconds. You know? So that's me. I'm not talking to anybody. And then there was this other mother. And her son was probably number 12 or 13. He, he most of the time didn't get to play at all. And she was cheering the guys on. And she was all happy. And she was good job, nice job, and bringing, you know, snacks and, and water bottles and serving the team and being so great and wonderful. And I'm like, what's with this woman? How can she be so nice? 
I'm a Christian, and I'm wondering, what's, what's behind her hope? I'm ashamed to tell you that story, but it's a true story. Peter's calling us to act like the other mom, not like me. I have to grow. I have to learn. Now, again, no one was doing evil to me. <laughs> no one was. <laughs> but if I don't learn how to have, a, to have hope and joy and the grace and the mercy of God in a situation like, man, freshman basketball comes and goes is so fast in such a small part of life. Come on, kid, grow up. Make your testimony more important than that little injustice that was being done. Learn to have your responses governed by grace because this woman, and I would bet my life saving on it that she was a believer, uh, she was oozing gracious response. And I wanted to know what was behind it. I kind of figured I did, and I was convicted by it. Oh, I could give you some more stories but our time has run out. Uh, the last reason, by the way, for why we, we, should, we should respond with grace is because it's going to be rewarded. Again, verse 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, for to this you were called, and here it is, so that you may inherit a blessing. You have been blessed. You've been blessed with God's grace and mercy, so that you can be a blessing to others, so you can demonstrate that grace and goodness and mercy. And if you do that, remember, you've only gotten a foretaste of the blessing God wants to give to you. So, so remember, God's, he, he wrote, God's, God's watching. He sees what you do, all right? And he blesses those who choose to demonstrate who he is, to live righteously and to show his grace. We, when we experience injustice and unfairness in this world, we've got to remember that there will be a reckoning, that it doesn't have to be all figured out right here, that there will be a reward and a recompense for demonstrating the goodness and grace of God. And so it comes down to this. Our hope is most visible when grace governs our responses, when grace governs our responses. God hasn't just called us to be nice. He's called us to do good even when others don't do good to us. And that's really the very heart and essence of our faith. That's how Jesus lived. That's how God's treated us. That's how we're called to be as his followers. How are we doing? How are you doing the last 12 months in having your responses governed by grace? Whether it's in school or at work or in the church or out in the community where can you, this week, respond with grace? Allow your responses to be governed by grace. We've been called to that as individuals and as a church body because our witness for Jesus, drawing people to God, is more important and a lot of the things we hold on so tightly. And it feels like dying to let go of them. But can we let go of those things and hold on to the goal of seeing people come to know God? And we, and we do that partly by allowing the Spirit to govern our responses with grace. Let's choose to do that together. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you so much for your grace and mercy that you demonstrated in Jesus Christ. And... 
Um, Lord, that is life for us. Our very life is rooted in your grace and mercy. Where would we be without grace and mercy? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I pray that it would penetrate to us, um, not just save us, but transform us so that we reflect that grace and mercy to others. And you know what? If we're sensitive, I know, Father, that each one of us will be tested on that this week. And I pray that your spirit would help each person, boy, girl, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, all of us, God, help us to have our responses governed by grace so that you would be glorified and all God's people said, Amen. All right, go do it. Amen.